Hello, this is Basil Howard Brown, and welcome to Messages of Revival. I'm so excited to share this word with you right now. I believe it's a timely one and will minister the love of Jesus to you. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away and all things have become new. God is good. And remember, the joy of the Lord is your strength. God bless. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now listen to what the Bible says. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So as we present our bodies a living sacrifice, the Bible says it's your reasonable service. It's not, God's not asking too much from us. Hello. God's not asking too much. He says it's your reasonable service. He says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If your mind is not renewed, then you're going to be conformed to the world. If your mind is not renewed by the, by the washing of the word, then, you, then your mind is going to be conformed to the ways of the world. The circumstances, the situations you find yourself in. That's why people struggle with joy and the circumstance. You know, when you're going through tribulation and trials, how can you be happy? Very easy. Very easy. My mind's not focusing on the trial and tribulation and how I'm going to get out of it. My mind is focusing on the things of God. My spirit man is alive unto God, and I'm, I'm tapped into heaven. And I, I know this without a doubt. God's going to take care of the circumstances and the situation. So I can be full of joy. Amen. I can be full of joy. I've heard people say that you, you, can, have, you, know, you can have too much joy. I heard one preacher on television one year, and I won't mention his name because I'm sure everyone knows who he is, but he got up and said it's time that the body of Christ stopped laughing and started crying. And I'm like, what church do you go to, bub? Because everywhere I go, everybody seems to be crying. Hello? We want them full of joy. I don't want people to stop with the joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. It doesn't say the crying of the Lord is your strength. Hello? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, I know there's people that cry. Some people cry for joy, and that's fine. Some people, you know, my wife was in like six months of meetings before she got joy. She cried. She wept. But there was something that God was doing on the inside of her. Well, you listen to me, setting her free. Amen. And so I don't, I don't have a problem with people weeping. That's fine. But you can weep a little, but we're going to get you over into joy because that's the ultimate blessing. Are you listening to me? Amen. That's the ultimate blessing. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He said, be a living sacrifice. The problem with most living sacrifices is when they crawl up on the altar. Listen, when you are on the altar of God, the fire of God is going to come. Because the fire of God is very, very important because it burns out all the dross. Oh, you listen to me. It brings about a change. It purges us. It, cle- it cleans us out. He said, I want you to be a pure and a holy vessel. 
And you can only become pure and holy when the fire of God gets on you and burns you clean. Amen. Got to have the fire. The problem, the problem with revival, and listen, we, we've been in revival since 93 and, and even before that, but traveling through America since 93. And, and let me say this, you know, in 93 to 95 or 96, there was a great excitement in the body of Christ concerning revival. You know, we, this place in, in those early years would be too small to have revival in. Everybody would come. I mean, they would come in their droves. And they would come morning and night, morning and night, morning and night. I mean, I remember churches, we, we did revival for seven weeks in a row. Every week, Sunday through Friday, seven weeks in a row. Two meetings a day, six days a week. Revival. Morning and night, morning and night, seven weeks in a row. Let me say this. People come out in their droves. They're hungry. They're thirsty. They're pressing in. They're getting a touch of heaven. But it was like in 95, 96, somewhere around there, it was like the Lord said, now is the time I want you to change. See, before that, you could come in and get full of the Holy Ghost, get on fire, get a touch of heaven. But, but there wasn't really that dynamic for change. But when it was like the Lord took away the fence. You know, people sit on the fence. When they're sitting on the fence, they can be in revival. But the moment the fence is gone, then they're going to have to make a decision. Either I'm landing in the camp of revival or I'm going to land in the camp where we don't want it anymore. So now suddenly there were friends of mine, pastor friends of mine, people that I had on my board over a number numerous years, suddenly they were bailing on revival. I had one pastor friend of mine call me up and say, uh, you know, you keep talking about going to those that are hungry and thirsty and you're looking for those that are alive, that, that want a touch of heaven. He said, what about the dead people? So I said, well, you know, we have dead people coming in the meeting and we raise them from the dead. But I said, I don't want to necessarily hang out with the dead. Are you listening to me? Because I, I'm not dead myself. So here's the thing. I don't mind if the dead come, but they will be raised. Hello. They will be raised. And I said, because he told me, he said, look, he said, I'm going to go after the dead. I said, that's okay. I said, Jesus already told us what to do about the dead people. He said, let the dead bury the dead. So maybe you need to go after the dead. Now, he's still a good friend of mine. But here's what he's done. He's taken the church that he was running 400 people when we had revival in there, and he's taken to about 850 people. But it's dead. He does three, three or four services on a Sunday morning by 12.30. It's an hour, hour and 10-minute service. In, 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 done. Sunday morning over. I guarantee you right now, God doesn't show up in, those, in that house. There's not enough time for God to show up in that house. Now, we can decide we want to go and build a big church and never ever accomplish anything for God but having a big church. I'm not interested. I'm interested in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. If we have a big church and God shows up, He'll shake that thing to the foundation and the big church will become nothing. 
I believe this with all my heart. When the final outpouring of the Holy Ghost comes, there's going to be some very large churches that are based upon man's plans, man's ideas, man's purposes, that God's going to shake to the core and the doors are going to close. I'm telling you right now, people are not going to hang out. If you don't want the fire of the Holy Ghost, you're not going to hang out in a place where the fire starts falling. But if a church is based on the move of the Spirit, based upon the Word of God, based upon the supernatural power of God, and, and God's anointing is welcome, Holy Spirit's welcome, listen, when God shows up, we're going to be swinging from the chandelier. I mean, we're going to be so excited about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You know, oh, we're just afraid we might offend somebody. We might, we might disappoint somebody. We might chase somebody away. You know, listen, the moment we start to try to please people, the moment you try to please people, you cannot please God. You have to decide, am I going to be pleasing people or am I going to be pleasing God? Because the moment you start to please God, then you're going to get people upset. Now, let me say this. I don't want to ever grieve the Holy Spirit. Because when I walk out of these doors, He's the one that comes with me. He's the one that leads me, and he's the one that guides me. I remember standing in a meeting in Tampa, Florida one year. The power of God was all over the house. I mean, listen, there wasn't, there wasn't a sober person in the house. I mean, the glory hit that place like a wave, and there were just people drunk in the spirit, people falling on the floor. And I went up and took the microphone, and as I did that, the pastor of the church, he was on the platform, he walked over, he took the microphone, and he put it at my mouth, and he said, go ahead, brother, tell the people what God's done for you. Because he had heard my testimony of how I would try to testify and couldn't get past the we were were part. So now he wanted me to do the same thing. And listen, when he did that, the moment he did that, it actually shocked me. Because the moment he did that, the anointing in the house just... And I felt the anointing lift off of me. And, and, and it was like immediately everybody just kind of sat up and kind of looked over at us. And it was like everybody sobered up. And, you know, immediately I took the microphone from him, put it back on the stand. And immediately I said to the Holy Spirit, I said, I'm so sorry if we grieved you. Please do not leave this place. We need to have you in this place. We cannot have a meeting without you. I'm so sorry. I repent. Please forgive us for grieving you. And as I said that, I felt the anointing fall on me. Now, not as tangible as it was before, but I just felt the comforting anointing falling on me. And then the waves of the glory came. And then by the time the meeting ended, I mean, we were back where we, where we were. But I spoke to the pastor after the meeting. I said, what were you trying to do? He said, I was trying to help the Holy Spirit. I said, did you look at the people? I mean, he didn't need your help. Hello. God doesn't need your help. I don't need to help God yet tonight. I just got to yield to him. I just got to do whatever he tells me to do. He doesn't need my help. Hey, Amen. Oh, we want, we're going to help God. No, he doesn't want your help. He wants you to yield yourself, be the vessel, let him flow through you, and let him do whatever he wants to do. Hey, Amen. So in 95, 96, suddenly there was this, this you know, thinning out of people. I do believe this because I've seen, I've started to see splatterings of this again. Where suddenly we're looking at 
you know, groups of people that are hungry, that are thirsty, that are desperate for the move of God. And, um, and many times it starts to remind me of early days of revival. It's almost like we've gone in this full circle and we're coming around to a place where suddenly there's this desperation starting to get into the church again. There's, the church is starting to cry out for the things of God. Because let, let me say this, if we don't, people, we're going to go into this dry phase where we just attend church. Hello. And go through the motions for years to come. And then all of a sudden, because you see, you can, t- you can study past revivals and when a generation stops the move of God or gets involved and, and, and manipulates God and manipulates the move, God will pull his hand right off of it. And then everything will just dry up. And then what God will do is he'll wait for another generation to come along that are hungry and desperate for him. And when that generation comes along, he'll raise them up and he'll put revival back on this earth. I don't want to wait for another generation to come along. I don't want God to, to, to withdraw and we just go through them 20 years from now. All of a sudden, there's another generation grabbing the anointing and God starts flowing by. So I want God to move now in this time that we're living in, in this day we're living in. I want to see the glory of God being made manifest in this day we're living in. So, so, so here's what's happened over these years. The church really has become very complacent. You know, it's, it's, it's almost like people, you know, they've been in revival. They love the move of God. And, and, and it's like, you know, when you don't, when you've got something, you, you're kind of there half-heartedly. But when you don't have it, then you're sorry you don't have it anymore. You understand what I mean? And that's what's happened to a lot of people over these years. You know, they got in revival, got touched by the power of God. And then they just, they just kind of drifted away and started doing their own thing. And now they're getting to a place where there's a drought. You know, the Lord took us up to Ohio. We spent three and a half months there last year. And, and I believe the Lord did this for a reason and a purpose. When, when I first heard about that area, the Lord said, I want you to go. And for two years, two years, I tried to get into that area. Couldn't get a door open. And there's an evangelist that lives up in that area. And, and, and she tried to get us in there, couldn't get us in. And then I, said, I called her up one day. I said, I said, find me, here's what I said. I said, find me six homes that are open that will allow us to come do revival and we'll go from home to home every night and we'll have revival through the area. But we're going to come because God told me to come. And so uh, two days later, she called back and she said, I I found a church. I went to that church. It was a church in the country. The church had no pastor. The church had no congregation. But it was a building. It was a church. You know, you drive out in the country and you look for 50 cows on the right-hand side of the road and then the church is on the left. I mean, that's pretty much how you'd get there. That's kind of the directions. Listen, we went in there. People came from all over Ohio. We packed that little place out every night and the glory of God fell. I mean, it was just amazing. just blew me away. No pastors showed up. So then it took me another year, another year to get back into that area. Pastors don't want the move of God. I believe that that whole area, God had a plan. God's got a plan for that area, but he's waiting for people to get on, get hooked up with the plan. So he sends me in there for three and a half months last year to bust this thing open. 
I spoke to a pastor one day, and, and I, you know, we spoke about revival, and, and he, he said, well, you know, you've got to plan these things ahead of time. You know, you should come six months before you even come here to this place and come and meet all the pastors, introduce yourself. And I said, listen, dude, I don't have that kind of time. I said, in actual fact, two weeks ago, I didn't even know I was going to be here. How can I plan six months ahead? That's like me telling the Holy Spirit, now we're going to plan where we're going to go. Listen, I go wherever he takes me. We stay however long he wants us to stay, and then we go on to the next place. That's just the way we operate. Oh, you listen to me. I know where I'm going next, but I have no clue what day, but I know where I'm going because everything's set to go. Once I'm done, I call him up and say, hey, we're ready. We're gone. That's the way God has me operating. I know some ministers, you can get on their website and you can see what they're doing five years from now. I'm thinking, my God, I could never book myself five years out. Hello? Now, I felt a stirring in my heart last year through those meetings in Ohio. Then God took me back in January and then he took me back in March. And yeah, was it? Yeah, was the closure. That was the closure. Now, I understand we've been there for all this time. We know a lot of people. In actual fact, they've become like our, like our family. We know these people by name. I mean, we know them personally, and they become like our family. And so I'm standing up on the very last night of that meeting. Power God's all over the house, and I'm, I'm done. I've closed my Bible, closed my notes, and I'm about to walk out the door, and the Spirit of the Lord falls on me one more time, and I begin to speak things by the Spirit. And I said, this whole area will become a desert. And I'm like, God, really? And then the Lord said this to me. He said, but those that have been feasting, they will be blessed and be prosperous even in this desert. But this whole area will be a desert area. Because there are, there are pastors that are rejecting the move of the Spirit of God. There are pastors that are coming against the move of God. Listen, you can't believe what they'd put out there about us. Stand up in the, in the pulpit on Sunday morning and preach against us having revival down the road. I'm cracking up. While I'm there, God gives us this favor and we go and get on a secular radio station. Morning drive time. And when we were going to that station, the lady that was taking us there, she said, now I must tell you, this guy that's going to interview you, you know, he's, he plays the devil's advocate and he, and he really beats up on people. And he said, I just want to let you know because I don't know how this thing is going to go. I said, don't worry about it. I said, God going to take care of it. So listen to this. We get in there. He interviews the pastor. He interviews this evangelist. And then he turns to me and he asks me one question. That's all I needed. Boy, when he gave me that microphone, 20 minutes later, I'm still going for it. I didn't give him a chance to even ask another question. I preached from Genesis to Revelation, up and down, through, back and forth. Five, God, Holy Ghost. Hello. Secular radio station, drive time. And uh, then he comes back with a question like, you can see he was stumbling like, uh, uh, well, uh, Okay, so, so what is the craziest thing that you've ever seen? <laughs> so I'm like, uh, let's think, crazy. Oh, you know, we go to church, and I just back into the revival. I talk about the move of God, joy of the Lord, busting out. 
And I, I mean, I just took the whole show over. Eventually, he, he thanked me for coming, and, 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 you know, that was his segment done. And we walked out the door, and we went, praise Jesus. <laughs> then we walked across the road to the, the, the local newspaper because they wanted to interview me. I walk in there, and, and the guy's, on, you know, he's got a leg, he's on crutches, and, and he says, well, I've been listening to the radio station and, and your interview, and I've taken down a lot of notes. I'm thinking, that's good. So he asks us a few more questions, and then I pray for the man, and then we, we head out the door. And two days later, we're on the front page in the newspaper. Revival in, in Coshocton, Ohio. So yeah, we're on a secular radio station. I guarantee you none of those other pastors have been on there. Bet you they haven't been on the front page of the newspaper. But God gives us favor. Now, I guarantee you all those dudes listen to that. All those preachers there, they listened to that station, and then they read that paper. And that probably got them so mad. I mean, I, I promise you, I walk down the street in that place, I look over my shoulder. I'm expecting a posse to ride, ride up there and say, we're taking you, we're sending you out of town. You're leaving right now. They were not happy. But here's the thing. See, you can come against the move of God and against, you know, they think they're coming against me, but really they're coming against God. You reject what God's doing through the man of God. You come against the man of God. You're actually coming against God. Are you listening to me? And so what they did is they rejected God. So when I stood up on that last night and I began to say, this is going to be a desert place. And I'm saying, Lord, but you've been moving by your spirit, touching the hearts and lives of people. He said, yeah, but those that have been feasting on me and are in the river will not be in the desert because I will bless them and I will prosper them even in this arid desert land. And I shared that with people. Well, when I'm done sharing this, there's a lady sitting in the meeting, and she'd been in a lot of our meetings, and, and, and that's the lady that got healed of stage 4 cancer. She raised her hand, and she said, you know, I got a telephone call from a friend of mine today. And she said, the Lord told me to tell you that this place is going to become a desert. I said, praise Jesus. Hello. You see, we, we can push God away and push the Holy Spirit away. But then what are we going to do? Hello, what are we going to do then? We've got to have the move of God. We've got to have God show up. Every time we open our doors, God needs to be welcome to come in and do whatever He wants to do. Whatever He wants to do. We have ideas. We have thoughts. We have plans. We Listen. I've gone up to preach a message that I've prepared and maybe spent three, four days on the thing and God say, don't preach at one. I've been to church and had five messages to preach. I remember walking out on a Sunday morning in my church in St. Louis, walking out and everybody's hands are raised, eyes are closed and I'm about three feet away from the pulpit and the Lord said to me, don't preach that message, preach this scripture. And I stopped. And I look around, nobody's looking and I go, and I back off and get up behind the drums and I open up the Bible and I open up the passage of Scripture and I say, God, I've never preached on that before. Can you give me a week? He said, no. Preach on that. I said, okay, well, if I fluff it, it's your fault. <laughs> hey, man, I go out there, listen, listen. It was so good, I bought the tape. I mean, it blew me away. I'm like, my God, this is amazing. Jesus. 
You know, when a preacher preaches a message and he himself is so blessed by it, you better know God's doing something. <laughs> I try to preach that same message, you know, a year, year and a half later in another location. And it was good, but it didn't fly like that day because God had a plan for that. That was his purpose on that day. But you see, if I was rigid and locked into what I wanted to do, I would have missed that. Are you listening to me? You know, people say, well, what about the order? Why don't we have structure? We do have structure. We do have order. It's God's order. He moves when he wants to move, how he wants to move, do whatever he wants to do. Amen. The crazy thing is this. We, we conduct church. We conduct church because we've been taught this way. And we've been taught this way because the generation before us taught us how to have church. The generation before that taught them how to have church. So we're only conducting church because we've learned from other generations. But yes, what we're doing. We are teaching generations now about the move of the Holy Ghost and about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And then they will teach other generations on the move of God. And as we go down this road, greater things are going to happen, greater outpourings of the Holy Spirit. Listen, I know kids that were seven, eight, nine years old in, in 93 today are revivalists traveling around the world, seeing signs, wonders, and miracles. But they, they had a touch of heaven in a revival meeting, young kids. That's why I love it when young kids come in the meeting and we get them down front, we pray with the power of God, touch them. I love that because if they have an encounter with God 10, 15 years from now, suddenly they're young adults and they're full of the Holy Ghost, on fire for God, and they start seeing revivals break out through their life and their ministry. Are you listening to me? This is a place for children. I'm telling you right now, it's a place for young people. This is a place for young people. It's our next generation that's going to carry the fire and carry revival. So let me get back to my sermon. Be not conformed. <laughs> I don't even know where I went. Where did I go to? I don't even know where that is. I don't have a note for that stuff. Anyway, let me get back over here. So be not conformed. Listen, the Amplified Bible says fashioned after or adapted to. Be fashioned after or adapted to, but be transformed. The Amplified Bible says changed or a total turnaround or a new attitude. That's what revival does. It gives us a total turnaround. You know, one day we're going on this road and we think we're doing this and that, and then we have an encounter with God, and then all of a sudden everything's different. The plans have changed. Hello, the structure's changed. It's different. It's totally different. Now suddenly God's showing up and God's in control. Amen. I, listen, I've been in control of my meetings before. It's very overrated. Puts a lot of pressure on me because I feel like I have to perform. Listen, when I had an encounter with God in 93 and God transformed my life, all of that was taken away. Now when I get on the pulpit, on the platform, I'm not under any pressure whatsoever because I know it's not me. And I tell, I tell God all the time, I say, listen, if the Holy Spirit doesn't show up tonight, we're going to have a dead meeting. I tell him this all the time. If the Holy Spirit doesn't show up tonight, we'll have a dead meeting. So, Holy Spirit, you better show up because I ain't going to do anything. I don't have a reputation to uphold. Amen.
Amen. I'm not here to make a reputation. I'm not here to build a reputation. I'm here to have revival. And if you don't show up, we ain't going to have revival. So you better show up. Now, I don't know if I do that just for my own comfort, but he always shows up. I've never had a meeting where I've heard God say, uh, sorry, I can't make it tonight. You know, the church league have a, have a ball game tonight. We just can't make it, you know. Well, I'm going to go watch the ball game. Now, I've never had God never show up. He always shows up. Hello. So that takes all the pressure off of me. Whatever you need, you can get tonight because of the anointing, because of the presence, because of the power of God. Amen. Whatever you need. Whatever you need. Anybody have any needs? You meet them in this place tonight by the anointing. Amen. I've studied the Word. I've studied the encounters. There are men of God that have had an encounter with God. When they have an encounter with God, their whole life is transformed. Their whole life is changed. We as individual people have to have an encounter with God. We've got to have that encounter. When we have that encounter, there's a total turnaround, a total change on the inside of us, and then we can get hooked up with Him. Amen. It's all about getting hooked up with Him. Let me say a little bit about the manifestation because I feel prompted in my spirit to say this. But, you know, when you study the Word of God, you'll find there, there are many, many manifestations that happen in the Word. When God manifests Himself, well, let me, let me back up and say this. When God does something, you can always track it back to the Word. God does not do anything today that is not done in the Word or spoken about in the Word. Are you listening to me? So there's nothing that, that goes on that, 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 that you can't track back to the Word. It's, it's always, that's our foundation. This is our foundation. So when I look at manifestations that go on, if the manifestations are not in the Word, then, then I'm, I'm pushing them aside. Are you listening to me? Now, the body of Christ, you know, sometimes it's all about manifestations. Well, the more manifestations we can have, the better. No, if it's manifestations of God by the Spirit, then yes, I want them. But if it's manifestations of the flesh, I don't. You know, you can, you, there's a lot of people today that, that, that are doing things in the church world, and they're calling them manifestations of the Spirit. And I can tell you right now, they, they whacked out of their tree. Oh, you listen to me. In actual fact, it's blasphemy. That's what it is. You can go look on YouTube, and you can see people out there doing some stuff. And it's, listen, it's not scriptural. It's not biblical. There's no foundation to it. Hello? But it's what people want to do because, listen, it's almost like people always have to be doing something. I don't have to do anything. I've been in church before where, where we get up after praise and worship, power of God's hitting the whole place, and I just stand around. 25 minutes, I'm still standing at the pulpit, doing nothing. Power of God's all over there. What must I do? I'm not involved. Hello? I just hang out until God says, all right, now you can do this or do that. I, I don't want to get involved. It's he, he, He's doing the work. But so many people feel like they've got to be doing something. Hello? I don't have time to get into all those manifestations, but, but listen, we've had people that want to travel ahead of our ministry to go and do spiritual warfare. Pull the devils out the heavens. Clear the airwaves so God can come move. Hello. 
I don't care if there's people drinking cat's blood in the alleyway back here. God's still going to move. Oh, you listen to me. I don't need to clear any airways out the way. God, you want to tell me that the devil's going to stop God from moving? We cry, oh, God, move. He says, sorry, I can't. The devil's stopping me. <laughs> Hello? Those that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Doesn't say about devil stopping anything. But we want to go out there as a human being and do these things. Yes, look what I did. Clear the airways, brother. Now God can come move. You did nothing. Hello. People focus on the devil. They talk about the devil. Listen, I don't care about the devil. He's going to hell. Hello. He's going to hell. In actual fact, let me tell you what. When the devil comes around your house, tell him, go to hell. Because that's where he's going. He's just a little confused, and he ended up at your place. Give him some direction. Hello. You don't have to communicate with him. You don't have to have a conversation with him. You have to have nothing to do with him. But people get involved in all these little things on the side, and then, and then it's because of what they did, now God can come along and move, and God's not interested in that. Listen, all God wants from you and I is our heart and being sub- submitted to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's all. Amen. Present yourself a living sacrifice. Get up on the altar tonight. Get up on the altar of sacrifice. Well, you might have to give up a few things. You know, the problem with the living sacrifice is when the fire comes down, the living sacrifice always seems to crawl off the altar. I mean, if we could just bind the living sacrifice, then at least they won't go anywhere. Hello? Well, the fire of God. Listen, the fire of God is awesome. I love the fire of God because it's changed my life and set me free. I've watched revivalists over the years way back from the early 90s. And, and the revivalists that are still flowing in the anointing and revival and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, every one of those revivalists have been people that have been touched by the fire of God. You can come in this place, get joy. That's fine. No, nothing wrong with joy. You can come in this place, get drunk in the Spirit. There's nothing wrong with it. It's good. It's good. But I can tell you right now, you can come in here and get the fire of God on top of you, and I'm telling you, it'll transform your life. You'll be so full of the Holy Ghost, nobody will keep you quiet. Hello? You know, I tell people, God's a good God. He's a good God. And He wants to give His children good gifts. And when His fire comes upon us, it's good because it brings about the transformation that we need. Amen. God's never going to hurt anybody. Do you know that God's not in the exposing business? A lot of people come in here, and they'll sit in the meeting, and the Spirit of God will be moving, power of God's falling, and then they're afraid that God's going to tell me something about them. Now, I look at people like sometimes I think I know what's going on, but most times I have no clue. Hello. I tell the Lord, I don't want you to, don't tell me anything about anybody. I don't want to know. Hello. 
I mean, just I lay hands on them. You do whatever you do. Amen. Here's the awesome thing about God. See, he doesn't expose people. He sets them free. And as his anointing comes upon you, just surrender yourself and say, Lord, have your way. Do whatever you want in my life. Let your fire come down and rain upon me. Change me, set me free, heal me, make me whole. I want to be that pure and holy vessel that you can pour your anointing into, that you can send forth where signs, wonders, and miracles take place through my life. That's what your, cry, your heart's cry should be. I pray this prayer often. I say, Lord, if there's anything in my heart that you did not put in there, I'm asking you to take it away. I only want in my heart what you have for me, what you've put there. That's my prayer. I often pray that prayer. God, if there's anything in my heart that you didn't put there, take it away. And I can tell you right now, there's many, we've spent many, 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 many hours on carpets around the nation. As the fire of God falls upon us and sets us free and changes us and transforms our lives. Nothing wrong with carpet time. But when you do, you have an encounter with God Almighty. And when you have an encounter with God Almighty, there's no telling what he's going to do in your life. You see, and it's out of that encounter that you have with God, he raises you up. And then he begins to use you. I don't know about you, but I want to be used of him. And if I want to be used of him, then I've got to have that encounter. He's got to change me so he can use me. Amen. He'll take you just as you are, but then you're going to have an encounter with him, and you're never going to be the same. There's going to be some things you lay down on the altar. Your life will not be the same. You'll not do the same things you used to do. You'll not be able to go home at night and go watch America's Got No Talent. Hello. You might miss American Idol this year because you might be just too busy doing things for the kingdom. Hello. If you don't know Jesus and need to rededicate your life right now, Pray this prayer with me. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I confess right now that Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart. Take out the hardened heart and give me a heart of flesh. Change me, Lord. Let me never be the same again. I repent and turn from my ways. I make you Lord of my life right now. Use me, Lord, in these days we are in. I am ready for your coming and always will be. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul and setting me free. Amen. Now, if you pray this prayer, I would love to hear from you. So please email me at revivalpodcasthb at gmail.com. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Messages of Revival Podcast. For more, subscribe to Messages of Revival Podcast on Anchor, Google Podcast, and iTunes. And share this podcast with somebody that needs to be uplifted and blessed. God bless you.